Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. All right, this morning, um, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 17, and um, it's such a. Uh, I love this story. I mean, I love all the stories. <laughs> in the Bible, but in Acts 17, you have Paul, and he's preaching, he's going out and ministering in different areas, and he finds himself coming uh, to Thessalonica, and, you know, like usually happens, comes into, into some trouble. Um, and so I'm going to read, they're not going to have a couple of these scriptures whenever I'm starting out here up there, but I'm just going to read them to you. And in Acts 17, verse 2, and three, it says, then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. This is the people there in Thessalonica, Woo. explaining and demonstrating that Christ had suffered, had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And, and one of the things that I, I want to start off with saying is I believe that the problem today is that the world isn't getting turned upside down by the church or by God's people, if you will, not just the church, but the, the people of God. Because Paul, who is one of these men of God, and you who are one of these men and women of God are people that are called to uproot and, and turn upside down the things that are not right. The things that go away from God and away from Christ. And, and I just love to see that Paul, he, he comes into these places and he can't help but speak about Christ. And the cross. He just couldn't help it. And I, I want to be like that too, that I, that I can't help but speak of the cross and of Christ. That, that I just can't, you know, I was picking up uh, lunches at this, at this restaurant, uh, this place over here in Fenton, and you know what the craziest thing is? is that the first instinct I had when, when the guy asked me, okay, so I'm picking up these lunches for the worship workshop that we had, which was awesome, and you should have been there, and you can be at the next one, but you got to sign up, okay? But be there. But I'm picking up these lunches, and the guy's like, what, what, what are all these, all these lunches for? Because there was a ton of them, you know, and we were carrying them out to the car. And the, I just, you know what the craziest thing? I'm still shocked by myself. It's the first thing that I thought was, well, should I really say, like, I just, like, maybe it's going to be too hard to explain. You know, maybe, like, can you believe that? Your pastor is, like, hesitating to say that I'm getting these lunches for something awesome at church, this worship, and where we're teaching 
people about what worship is and how we enter into worship and all this stuff, which I didn't do it. Pastor Matt did it and did a great job, better job than I could probably, about worship. But that I, that I hesitated to share. And I, I know you guys don't relate to that, do you? You've you, never done that before. But I told him, you know, and he was like, oh, wow, that's cool, you know, and seemed like he was a little like, maybe I shouldn't have asked. But, but I, I like got in the car and thought about that, like, wh- why in the world would I hesitate to speak to him about who God is or what I'm doing for God or with God? how in the world, and and that's what, like in this, I'm, you know, once again, I'm, I'm speaking to myself, and you can be a part of it, thanks for coming here to hear me talk to myself again, but when Paul comes into these, these towns, and says, as was his custom, it's like, it was something that he just did, was go and speak about Christ. There wasn't a second thought about it. There wasn't a, I wonder who's going to hear and if I should hesitate or what I should say. He just went and he spoke about who Christ was and what he did and why he did it. He wasn't afraid of the cross being offensive to the world, because the cross is offensive to sin. It offends. You know what that word means? I mean, when you, it, it's, when something's offensive, it, it creates a, a, a tension between, right? And the cross creates turmoil where there is sin because it uproots it and it turns it upside down. So it's offensive to the world and to sin. But he knew these things of the world needed to be uprooted. So what happens is he's in Thessalonica and and he's speaking to those that, that don't know Christ, those that are Jews and Gentiles. He's speaking to all these people. And, and some of the Jews in the area didn't like that he was speaking. They were offended too. Because they were more about being religious and religion than they were about the relationship with God and with Christ. So it says that the Jews gathered. This is what it says. The Jews gathered evil men. That was a problem when church people come together with evil people to come against what God is doing. They gathered evil men from the town to come after them. And in Acts 17, 6 it says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these 
who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I, I love that. And that's what I was speaking about earlier. These, these people who have turned the world upside down. I love it. He didn't say the town. He didn't say the city or the state. He, he didn't say just this area. He's saying they're turning the world upside down. And that is what God wants us and his people to do. It's to turn the world upside down. So that, you know, nothing ever looks as good underneath, right? The world may have its flashy things and look okay on the top. But you get underneath and you see the mess. That's what happens when you turn things upside down. It's getting it turned over to see the mess that it really is. And that's what God wants us to do, his people to do. Amen? Whew. So Paul gets kicked out of Thessalonica. He goes to Berea, and same thing happens in Berea. And actually, the Jews from Thessalonica come to Berea to say, hey, and they cause an issue there in this next town with the people, and he gets kicked out of there too. Then he ends up in Athens. And in Acts 17, verse 16, it says this. Now, while Paul waited for them in, at, at Athens... His spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Who, who did he speak to? Just whoever happened to be there. I love that. I don't care where I'm at or who I'm talking to, but I'm going to talk about Christ and the cross and what happened. So whoever happened to be there, then certain Epicurean Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? It's interesting. And it says in, in the Bible that God opens our hearts and our minds and our, our ears to be able to even understand this. And at this point, and, and really what it says here, that they were so given over to idols and gods and all these different things that they couldn't even, he, he's, he's a babbler. He's just babbling on. But what I think about is that, that people can be Extremely religious, but be about as far away from God as you could possibly get. That's what we see here. That's the situation here in Athens that Paul is, is speaking into and that Paul noticed. Right? He, he's, he's like, you guys are filled with, with religion and, and, and with all these motions and these idols and, and, and worshiping all these different idols and gods and all these different things. But you don't actually know 
God. Because he's walking through town, right? Seeing idol after idol. This, it's, there were so many in Athens, more than anywhere else, all these idols to all the different gods. All these different people or, or gods that they had made up, that they're just like, we're going to worship anything and everything. And then they're like, and if we missed one or we, there's one that we couldn't think of, we have this idol to the unknown God. In Acts 17, 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst, right? Because he's speaking to them, to anybody and everybody that will hear his voice. And he's preaching to them. And they're like, what's this guy babbling about? And then he says, I'm going to tell you. And God's going to open your ears to hear what I'm saying. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagos and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, I, oh, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. They're like, we got a God for everything. But we don't want to miss one, so we're going to have this idol and this statue, this thing that we worship to the unknown God. You know, it's like they're, you know, they're hedging their bets. They're, they're, they're just making sure that if we missed one. And I love that Paul comes in and he's like, you did miss one. And the one you missed is the true God. The one who you should be worshiping. This one, this idol that you say is to the unknown God is the God that you don't know and that you should know. You need to know this God because he's the only God. He says, that God that, that you don't know is the one that I want to tell you about. Right? They were so religious, but that religiosity isn't the same as a relationship with God. Too many people know about God but don't really know Him. Don't have that relationship that Paul constantly was speaking about to these people. He's, he's saying, listen, it's not about worshiping these, these idols and these things, these gods for every different thing that you have. It's, it's a relationship that you need to have with the one true God the one that you can know, the one that you need to know, the God that actually knows you. Yeah. In verse 24, Acts 17, 24, it says, so he starts to 
to give them this revelation of who God is. He says, God, who made the world and everything in it, right? Because they're worshiping all these, you know, whatever, sun gods, earth gods, gods of this, gods of that, gods of my food, gods of this, you know, it's just everything. They had so many. And Paul says, listen, <laughs> this, this God that you need to know, the one that you said is the unknown God, he encompasses all these things that you are trying to do when you're worshiping your, your other gods. When he tells them, this God who made the world and everything in it, everything, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their... Like he, he's saying, listen. This God that you need to know, the unknown God that you've made this idol for, but this one that knows you, that you need to know, he's the one who has created everything, who's created everything and every person, and not only that, he's created the boundaries of their dwellings. He's determined their pre-appointed, he's determined their times. Verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord. All these things are so that they should seek Him in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him. And in the hopes that, that they might, like, you know, to, to grope is, is, is like, it's something more than just like, hey, can I hold your hand, God? It's a desperation. It's it's a it's a something inside that I I, I have I, I can't live without you God I I have to to hold on to you I have to grab hold of who you are to know you and to hold on to you I I can't I can't live without you yeah. He says that they might grope for him that they might with desperation, reach out and grab him and find him. But I love this. Though he is not far from each one of us. Right? I, I love that. And that, that's what he's, he's really in. Every time he, he's, he's preaching about cross of Christ and, and what has happened for us, and, and that is really the, the, the point and the message is that he is not far off. Like these other little fake gods that you're worshiping that are some gods afar off that in hopes that they might do something, something and they don't because they're not real gods. They're just these little idols that you worship. 
But he's saying, this God that you need to know, that he's created the heavens and the earth and, and all that's in them and all the people from one blood being created, that in the hopes he's, he's set the boundaries and put us in the place that we should be and gives these appointed times in the hopes that we would desperately come to Him and reach out for Him. So that we could find Him. Right? He's not running away. He's not hiding. But He wants us to reach out to Him and say, I need you. I, I, I can't. I can't do this without you, God. I can't do this on my own. And he's not far off from each one of us. Right? He, he doesn't need anything from us. But he wants our affection and our worship and, and for us to come to grab hold of him. I love the things that he's saying. He doesn't live in temples. He doesn't, it's not about a place. It's about a people. Right? He says that it's not about these buildings or these idols that you make. It's about you. It's about who you are and what Christ has done, what he's done for us. He's done so that he could be not about a temple or just be in the temple or in the Ark of the Covenant. You know, there are just specific places that people have to go, but he's done this work so that he could be there with you, not far off. He says he made every nation, every man from one man, and then determine their dwellings and boundaries. Then he says, this, this profound statement, and, and even quotes philosophers of that day. In Acts 17, 28, we read on to see that he says, for in him, for in him, this God that I'm telling you about, the one that's not far off, the one that has created everything in the earth and all that is in it and has created you, the one that wants to know, that does know you and wants you to know him and wants this relationship with you. It, it says, for in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We're his offspring. We are his kids. We're his children. He is our father, right? I spoke about that. We are the heirs to his kingdom. Right? He revealed him, himself 
in the Old Testament saying, I am who I am. I am. He is. It's not that he was or not that he might be someday. He is. He said, I am. I am that I am. From beginning to the end, he is. In verse 29, Acts 17, 29, it says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. So he's taking all these things that they've created and he's tearing them down and saying, listen, you're thinking about this the wrong way. It's not about some art piece statue that you're going to worship. It's, it's not this, this idol, this thing. But since we are the children of God, since we are the offspring, he's our father. He's the one that's created us. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Like he's saying, by God's grace, he's overlooked our ignorance. He's overlooked our mess and our messing up. Or doing things our own way. Trying to create these other gods is what he's telling them. But us trying to, to, to do things our own way. Or even worshiping things of this world. Or things that you know, we can do here. God's gracious enough that he's overlooked and not just judged us by those things. But he commands us to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. It says the man, but what he's saying is the Christ. He goes straight back to that, that message that he can't get away from. Christ in the cross. And he's saying, listen, I don't care if this offends you. I don't care if you think that I'm babbling on about something. All I care about is that I speak to you about this God that you made this idol to, that's this unknown God, but the one, the true God, the I am, the Creator's, the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that's in it, this God, this one, what he did was he loved you so much that, that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. That he sent his only son to live and be here fully God, fully man, so that he could take the mess that you've created to the cross with Him. 
so that he could take that sin and that shame to the cross. And it says here again in verse 31, because he's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. See, there will be a day This day where we all are judged by His righteousness. And we can't be righteous ourselves. And so that's what Christ did as He says, I want to give my righteousness to you so that you can live with my righteousness so that when that day of judgment comes, you have that righteousness that you need so you're not judged by your sins and by your mess, but you can be judged by my righteousness and who I am in you and with you. Because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man, who, by Christ, who He has ordained as the judge who he has ordained says he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead He's saying this Christ that I'm speaking about to you the one who was crucified for you this God that you should know that you need to know was crucified. Right? He was put in a grave. But after three days, He was resurrected. And by that resurrection, we have assurance. Right? We have... <laughs> We have assurance with God. We need Him. Not an unknown God. Not a far off God. Not a God of our own making. That's what he's speaking to them. And what I, I, I truly believe that we, the church, need to hear in this moment. Why? Because the world needs to be turned upside down. And will God's people be the ones to help him turn it upside down? I want to help God turn these, right? I don't, I don't want to make a mess of the world. But in order, you know, <clears throat> sometimes you got to turn things over to clean them up. you you got to get up underneath it to expose the mess. It's like, there's this carpet up here, right? Has anybody before cleaned your house many times? But then one time decided, well, I probably need to move this carpet 
and then wish you didn't move the carpet because all the dirt you thought you were cleaning up somehow made its way under that carpet and is about three inches thick under there. Like that carpet looks real good, but it's a mess under there. And sometimes you got to just turn that thing over in order to really get it clean. And that's what the world needs today is, is a people that will speak of who God is and who Christ is in a way that will turn over these mindsets that we've been in, these thoughts that we've had about doing it our own way, or it doesn't matter how you live. It needs to be turned over and exposed for the dirty mess that it is. God wants his people to be willing to speak of who he is. Right, as it said up here, to whoever happens to be there. Who am I supposed to be talking to about God? Whoever happens to be there. You know? Like, I, I mean, the, each and every one of us do have a calling and maybe even to a specific type of people. But that doesn't put us in this category where we don't speak of God to just whoever happens to be there. Our calling, first and foremost, is to let people know who God is, to show them how good He is, to tell them of what He's done in our lives so that they could have an understanding of what God can do and what He will do for them. But will we be a people that turns the world upside down? Will you stand with me? Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message.